1: I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family.
2: No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.
0: Hey, it's your host, Krista Makes. Do you know that I write custom songs? Well, here's a bit of my work. I Also, you don't want to hear me rap. Pick any other style. Trust me. I could
3: even write a ballad for your anniversary or your
0: birthday. Looking for a voiceover, jingle, or music for your business, podcast, or TV show? Well, look no further. I'm your
3: guide.
0: For more info, email me at kristamakes at gmail.com. Now let's get into this awesome episode.
1: you can learn. David has probably never stopped to think what a wonderful thing sleep is. Dreams are normal, too.
0: Bed at a time, night, makes it easier go to sleep. Hello, ghosts, ghouls, goblins, and villains. We have a really fun one for you. Today's guest is Spencer Charnas, lead vocalist and songwriter for the Boston, Massachusetts metal band Ice Nine Kills. When it comes to horror movies and knowledge across the boards in that department, Spencer is the real deal. Together we break down American Nightmare from their 2018 album, The Silver Scream. A completely cool new take on a concept album, all 13 tracks on the record are inspired by a horror movie. The inspiration for the song American Nightmare comes from the movie A Nightmare on Elm Street. Spencer walked me through the songwriting process of this track and how the song evolved when brought to producer Drew Falk. Oh, and who knew that a band this heavy started out as a ska punk band? Well, I sure didn't and Spencer couldn't have been any more kind and gracious. So lock your doors, bolt your windows, and keep an eye out for the boogeyman as we take you through An American Nightmare.
3: Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast.
0: Hey, hey, have you heard? Krista makes a podcast.
2: I've always been a, a big fan of less than Jake. And, uh, I, I recently really got into the podcast and, uh, of course we've had, um, buddy and Jr. on one of our songs. So that was, you know, yes. a match made in hell in ska punk metal hell. And, uh, I think it's fitting that uh, I'd be on. So thanks for having me. A
0: little bit of history on the band. Ice Nine Kills is, is best known, I guess, for your, you know, your horror-inspired lyrics. Uh, the, the band was formed in 2000, uh, and you originally pursued a ska punk style, which you couldn't be further from now. <laughs> but then you shifted into the, your, your current style, which I didn't put this tag on it, but, uh, you know. The media puts the tag of metalcore, but you're definitely way heavier uh, than, than Scott Punk. The, the track we're going to talk about today, "American Nightmare," uh, is the first single from your 2018 album, "The Silver Scream. That is your most recent record. Uh, your debut album, "Last Chance to Make Amends," was released in 2006. So, you know, you guys have been going at it uh, at it for quite a while. And as Spencer said a moment ago, Buddy and Jr. played on a track called "It Is the End," which is awesome as well.
2: Yeah, that was really cool. Um, when we were in the studio writing that particular song, you know, we got to the chorus, it was just like you know, this fast punk beat, and I thought, man wouldn't it be so cool to embrace our roots, the ska punk roots and get, you know, get a band like, you know, less than Jake, one of our favorite ska punk bands on and ever like, yeah, yeah, I'm sure you're going to get that. And, uh, sure enough, you know, I hit up our manager who, who knew, I think your booking agent, maybe at the time, Dave Shapiro, and he sort of put the pieces together. And, uh, we got an email back pretty quickly saying that, uh, that they would do it, that you guys would do it. And we were just so stoked. It was one of the coolest things for me because you know as you said uh this is the kind of stuff that we played when we started the band this is the kind of music that got us into to, to being in a band goldfinger real big fish less than jake and uh it was it was an honor to have you guys uh, a part of it Well,
0: that's really cool and I, I love the horn treatment what you did in the mix on their horns they sound they sound tough the Silver Scream was produced by Drew Folk, uh, who is is known professionally as Wizard Blood. He is a songwriter and producer who has worked with Lil Wayne, Bullet From My Valentine, Motionless in White, and A Day to Remember. And he produced, uh, produced the record, The Silver Scream, which, uh, this is pretty amazing. All 13 songs on the record, I believe it's 13. Yeah, all 13 separate songs are inspired by a horror movie. American Nightmare, the track we're gonna talk about today, uh, is inspired by A Nightmare on Elm Street, other songs, uh, Friday the 13th, Halloween, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Shining, uh, and, and a bunch more. What a cool idea. Who came up with that?
2: Well, That's thank awesome. you very much. Um, it was my idea, and and horror has always been in the bloodstream for me. Uh, much like you know, punk and metal music, I uh, got into horror at a very young age. I would go to the grocery store with my mom when I was like, you know, six or seven years old. And to kill time while she was shopping, I would go into this video store. There was a video store within the grocery store. And for whatever reason, drawn to that aisle that said horror. And I think it was the, the covers of the VHS tapes, you know, Halloween, Friday the 13th. Uh, away camp silent night deadly night and um i just <laughs> i begged my parents please please let me see these movies and uh, after enough nagging they did get give in and and they let me s- uh, see halloween and i just become be- became obsessed with michael myers i had to find the mask Friday the thirteenth, and um, I think if I could jump in real quick,
0: I don't mean to interrupt you, but uh, obviously the podcast is audio only. My listeners can't see, but I'm I'm seeing uh, Spencer over over Zoom here, and uh, behind him is a huge framed picture of-, of Michael Myers with two huge knives next to him, and then there's a surfboard in the back with the Jason mask on it. So
2: that came with the apartment, though. Oh, it did. <laughs>
0: So this has kind of been your thing. You've just always been been, been inspired by, by horror movies. That's That's, that's what
2: it was. And I, I think, you know, I got so obsessed with it and my parents were like, ah, eh, you know, he'll grow out of it. Meanwhile, 30 years later, here we are.
0: Right. And what was it about, you know, or when was it that you were like, okay... We're we're doing the ska punk thing, but I want to get heavier. And why did you want to get heavier? Uh, what were some of your your heavy influences that that you were you were kind of be molding this after?
2: I, I was really into just '90s music in general. I loved Nirvana. That made me want to play guitar. Seeing the Smells Like Teen Spirit video, um, I loved that whole scene. I loved Soundgarden, um, and I also loved Metallica. That was probably the first like really he- like heavy metal band that I really liked. Um, I got into new metal like. The earlier corn stuff and and at the same time i was also getting into epitaph records and drive through records and all this stuff and i think you know drive through is predominantly pop punk and ska but they started to sign bands that had screaming like they signed finch and census fail and i was like what is this uh-huh. stuff and i think that was sort of the gateway like that kind of post hardcore screamo stuff uh when those you know predominantly punk labels, even like Epitaph, started to sign like Screamo and metalcore bands. And then I found out about acts like As They Lay Dying and Atreyu, and that sort of was like the gateway into uh, heavier extreme stuff. So what's what's really interesting is like our sound now, obviously, like on the surface, you know, it doesn't really sound like we're a a punk ska-influenced band, but all those melodies, like all those tricks I uh, learned from from bands like Less Than Jake and Goldfinger and Real Big Fish, and it's sort of like um, it's just now it's just a melting pot of all those things that I love, including horror.
0: And when you write, I mean, do you do you play guitar, piano? Do you play any? any-
2: guitar is my main instrument. Um, and I started when I started the band uh, with my friend Jeremy Schwartz. Uh, we both played guitar and sang, so I started off playing uh, playing guitar as well, and still to this day, that's that's how I write stuff with the guitar. And you know, the, the last album, I finally got myself a keyboard and that sort of unlocked uh, interesting things. Like I'm by no means a great pianist or anything, but um, I definitely use that now when I'm figuring out melodies too.
0: And did you write all the lyrics to American Nightmare and, and compose this particular track yourself?
2: So what we do with the lyrics, I always write all the lyrics with um, our partner, Steve Sopchak. He's kind of like a ghost writer, six member of the band. Um, Basically, the usual way in which songs are written, I'll come up with a melody, a progression, sort of scratch lyrics. Um, That's funny because a lot of the scratch lyrics end up becoming the basis for the real lyrics. And then once I have all those patterns, all the melodies, Steve and I sit down and hash it out. And it's, um, it's really a fun process because we always try to like outwit each other, like who could come up with the best double entendre or um you know who could come up with the most clever play on words and can we get a can we get a reference to wes craven in somehow elegantly and uh, Uh, okay okay
0: i already got that in my notes (laughs)
2: yeah yeah and it's it's funny (laughs) we'll get to it but i remember um uh years ago when we were both on warp tour uh you and i were talking at the barbecue and i was like i was like dude i'm so jealous that that your song was in scream Two. And you told me the story about how Wes Craven, you know, you came home and he left a a voicemail message on your machine or something. And I was like, oh, my God, that is the coolest thing ever
0: had a little chuckle when you mentioned that because I saw that in the lyrics. You know, it's very difficult for me as, if I were to try to approach this how you did 13 separate horror movies, my lyrics would just be too literal. It'd be like, Freddy's gonna come at you with a knife, and like, you know, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a certain art to, to what you did here, and uh, I'm definitely gonna check out check out the other songs because, you know, this song's just really, really interesting, but um, I think there was like, God, I want to say it was the Fat Boys, this rap band that did like a Freddy's was it Freddy's Dead? Who did that rap? So
3: sit back, chat, I'm gonna bust the vines. Grab a hole in your face, it's Kruger time!
1: It's time for Freddy. See, I'm a popular guy. If you don't know yet, you're gonna find out why.
2: Uh, Oh, right. That was part of the the Freddy's Dead soundtrack. I think it plays in the credits, right?
0: Yeah, I can't remember. But, you know, it was just kind of cheesy and silly. And (laughs) uh, Dokken had done this song years ago called The Dream Warriors that was in in reference to it was on the original Nightmare on Elm Street uh, soundtrack, maybe part three or something. (laughs) But this this particular song, if you didn't know that it was inspired by the movie, it doesn't come across like, oh, this is obvious of what it's about.
2: Well, thank you. Yeah. And I think that um, inherently the horror genre has cheese in it. And that's part of the kind of the reason why I like it. You know, it's just it's fun. But um, I I know what you're saying. And uh, I appreciate that because we we really do put a lot of time and, and thoughts into okay, we got to include these things that all the really hardcore fans of these franchises love, like not just on the surface, you know, oh, Jason wears a hockey mask and Michael wears a William Shatner mask. Like, let's get in some obscure line from part six, you know what I mean? We, we really try to go at it from, uh, the hardcore fans perspective because that that's what I am and, uh, it's just a really rewarding process to be able to get to do this stuff. It's like trick or treating when you're 35, basically.
0: <laughs> well, no, it's it's kind of kind of like an art form what you did with this. Again, it's not it doesn't just stand right out at you that like oh this is obvious what it's about. It, it it's cool. Uh, the the song is four minutes and nine seconds, and w- what an arrangement! The arrangement on this song, this okay, I'm at probably 60 episodes now over a year of this podcast. This was the most difficult song for me to dissect. And I mean that in the in the most positive of ways. It was just, there's so much going on. This production is humongous.
2: Thank you. Um, it was one of those things where we were trying to refine our sound because um, in past albums, we went a little bit maybe too off the rails where it was like too hard to digest. And um, with this particular song, which is the first one on the silver screen, we were like, how do we do that wildness, but also have it be structured. And um, it was just, it's one of those songs that we really put a lot of time into. Like, let's have a big um, riff that occurs, you know, even though it's a complex arpeggio kind of thing, really fast metal, let's have it occur. Let's have it be the main riff. Let's have a pre-chorus that comes and and, and happens several times. Let's have, an intro but let's also have verses that are cohesive and um yeah it it was really cool to see the reaction of this song so fast because we put it out just a few days before the last warp tour 2018 which which you guys played as well Mm -hmm. um and uh you know i think it came out like maybe three days before warp tour and that first day we played all the kids yelling that hook in the chorus i was like damn they really picked up on that fast
0: that that is great and when you brought, now do you demo uh, do you have in a home studio or how, how, how do your demos go? Are they just kind of like on a voice recorder? How, how structured are your demos before you bring them to your producer?
2: Usually it'll start off with like a really stripped down version on GarageBand of me with, you know, piano chords and singing the melody. And I, I know somewhere, one of my computers crashed, but I know somewhere I have the original recording of just me on the piano doing that melody in the chorus, and I will try and find it because I think it would be cool to play it uh, on the show.
0: Oh, I'd love I'd love that if you, if you could. That'd be great. The American
3: Nightmare The American Dream Making my mark on the silver screen The American Nightmare The American Dream Making my mark And slashing my way through the silver screen
2: and then basically what we do, um, you know, I bring it to the other guys. You know, there's a couple other guys in the band that are extremely good um, at demoing in a, in, a, in a far grander scheme than just a garage band thing. And we we try to flesh it out as much as possible. This particular one, we did uh, write a lot of it in the studio uh, with Drew um, and his assistant at the time, KJ. And uh, it just kind of the, the onset of it was just that. I'm the American nightmare. I'm the American. Like that's what it started from, and we kind of just went at it, figured out the verses, and uh, and eventually it, it turned out to be a song. I, I remember that the main riff came later, like the and it was just sort of a chugging thing, and I I said, you know, we need some sort of really big statement guitar wise to to. uh, add that little bit of flash because I, you know, I, I love bands like Atreyu and Avenge Sevenfold that, that, that would put those really flashy riffs, but at the same time they were sort of catchy. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that was like the cherry on top for me. That was like the, the last, um, missing part of, uh, the puzzle, so to speak.
0: What did, uh, Drew think when you brought the, the idea, was he into it initially?
2: Yeah. I remember, um, he was like, yep, that's a great hook, but it, it's funny because, um, as a singer and a songwriter and i'm trying to get better at this i try to make sometimes i try to make things too complex And i remember the original melody was of the american nightmare with american dreams and he was like don't do that there just do the american nightmare with american dreams and just that little tweak that like little three percent tweak made it so much better um, in terms of the hook um so it's really cool to have a process where you trust everyone involved and, and we're in the midst of doing a new record and we're working with Drew again and working with Steve again. It's just having that that team and that sort of net that sort of checks and balances. We're like, okay, that is really good, Spencer, but try that little tweak um, and it makes the process very rewarding.
0: That's great. Well, again, the, the song's four minutes and nine seconds. We're going to jump into it now. Uh, as I said before, what an arrangement. Uh, it starts off immediately with this spoken word intro. It's like this 1950s sounding clip It's this man's voice basically uh, telling you how wonderful sleep is. Getting ready for bed at a regular time is one of the most important
1: habits you can learn. (laughs) David has probably never stopped to think what a wonderful thing
2: sleep is. It's very much like uh, all, all uh, drunken, what is it, our drunken dope addicts and glue sniffers. It's kind of in that same category a little bit. It
0: is. The from from all my best friends With metalheads. We had a sample less than Jake at the top of that song, and it, it it's ve- I didn't even think of that. It's very much like
1: that 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 sounding 1950s era. This is a fair request, and I promise I will not judge any person only as a teenager. If you will constantly remind yourself that some of my generation judges people by their race, their belief. Or the color of their skin and that this is no more right than saying all teenagers are drunken dope addicts or glue sniffers
2: where did that this sample come from so i had seen of uh, i think it was like a fan-made film um on bloodydisgusting.com, which is of course that's a pretty funny name for a website <laughs> and it was a, it, it was like um a fan-made film or or some sort of reinterpretation of of one of the old nightmare on elm street trailers made into modern times or something like that and i said "Oh, what is that clip that is so really very cool and i looked into it a bit and luckily it was a part of public domain it was some you know dream uh video like instructional video like you said from the 1950s and um we were able to use it and i just thought it set such a an eerie uh, tone and what's funny about that you know as soon as i sort of discovered, we've got to start the record with that. We've got to start the song with that. I had some brushback from, you know, the business side of, of Ice Nine Kills, you know, the team where there was the label or management, and they're like, ah, you know, I don't know. Why don't we start with that breakdown thing? The one, two, dreams do come true. I'm like, no, 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 this, this feels like iconic, kind of, let's do this. And it was one of those things where I just, you know, strong-armed it, and uh, I'm glad that I did uh, because I think it's really cool.
0: You made the right the right call. This song is cool. It builds. It uh, I think it's the perf- a perfect setup. Halfway through, when you say "Wonderful thing to sleep," the, the sample, the drums hit right there, and there's like this atmospheric music with like these xylophones that kind of come in there, and it adds almost like this kid like carnival atmosphere uh, uh, to it. it. It's it's really cool, and then we come into. What I'm calling, and I've never called this uh, this use this term before, what I'm calling the intro verse setup. It's not into the verse yet. It's kind of like you had the spoken word intro, and now here's the second intro. And uh, the lyric is, rest your head, here's a lullaby, a melody for heavy eyes, early to bed, early to die, welcome to your worst nightmare. Now, up until the point where you say die, and that's the first scream, you scream on die, just give this insane growl. Prior to that, you're, you're kind of singing, it's kind of soft, the keys are there. And then it just, I, I wrote here, all hell breaks loose on Welcome to Your Worst Nightmare. It's just like the layered vocals, the growl, the the, the two, three voices. It, it's just, it's heavy as hell. So set up, set up these lyrics.
2: Uh, I think that what we're trying to do, and, and obviously this um, lends itself so much to the thought of whatever is being said, the music behind it really sets the tone. So you have this spoken word intro and it sounds like a very wholesome, as we said, 1950s thing, but that that um sort of atmospheric stuff under it um really makes it eerie and changes it from a, a wholesome thing to yeah. very sinister like you know something you know some shit's going down and uh <laughs> you know, I, re- I really have to shout out um the guy who, who did the nightmare on elm street scores this guy named charles bernstein and he was just so fantastic what he did with that film. He had used those synthesizers and that very like da 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 da, uh-huh. da, 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 da. And um, we just tried to pay homage to that without obviously doing the exact notes. Um, as far as the lyrics, I think um, as soon as we figured out that we wanted to use the word lullaby, it became very clear. Okay, well, this part is supposed to sound like a lullaby, a very evil lullaby. Yeah.
0: You're not going to scream the word lullaby. You're, you're letting him in easy.
2: <laughs> exactly. You know? and, and, and you know, it's kind of like when you think about it in terms of a horror film, you have the scare, you have the jump scare and the stab moment where someone is d- dies, and then you have that soft moment where nothing is happening, and it's almost sometimes can be scarier than the actual jump scare because you're anticipating it. So that's wh- how I think um, of the scream coming, and that's the jump scare. Gotcha, um,
0: gotcha. And,
2: uh, you know, we, we like doing things like, you know, early to bed, early to rise is obviously the the old adage, but... <laughs> We're not rising, we're dying, Chris.
0: <laughs> well, there's a uh, harmony on the second line, a melody for Heavy Eyes, uh, which is great. And are these harmonies that, that you hear in your head a lot of the times, or or, or is, is Drew part of that? Does he come to you and say, we should we should put a harmony here? Because again, there's so many layers and so much going on here.
2: Drew is definitely a part of that stuff. And, and for me, I, I've never been like the um, theory guy. You know, I hear harmonies in my head and I'll just start singing them because... Um, you know, and I get that from just harmonizing along with my favorite records, you know, when in the car since I was a, a kid. Yeah. I, you know, and I, I think I've heard you guys talk about it on the podcast. It's harmony can be so great, but it's that restraint of not doing it on every line that makes those lines really punch when you do use it. Yeah. And um, I think that, you know, this is an example of that I do remember when I told everyone that I wanted to use the lyric Welcome to Your Worst Nightmare. They're like, ah, that's like Generic, or something, it just sounds like a usual hardcore thing. It's like, dude, what else could it be? It's got to be that. <laughs> so, and, you know uh, what? I'm, I'm glad. <laughs>
0: Sometimes the obvious is just too obvious to, to go with. And, and again, I think, I think you made the right decision. That lyric there sets up, because like I said, all hell breaks loose on that lyric. And then there's this killer Lee guitar part with these big chugga chugga guitars and this just awesome drum breakdown that happens for four measures. <laughs> all of this up to this point is is, is kind of like an intro it's a setup and then the i'm calling it like the lead guitar hook it's just so catchy and just so heavy and then we're into what i'm calling verse number 1 and it's just like it's, it, i don't want to call it a blast beat but it's fast as hell the drums are just cooking here yeah. The lyric is, fast asleep, it's all in your head now. Past the street where they cursed my name, but I won't be forsaken. Craven, my revenge from the shallow grave. Where I went down in flames, the beast has been awakened. And uh, I kind of paused after Craven because I had it circled here, and you already talked about it. I was like, I wonder if that's homage to Wes Craven. 100%.
2: Um, Wes was obviously a visionary you know i think he he helped redefine horror in what i would say three decades you know in the 70s um last house on the left was it was a visceral film that you know it became more appreciated as the years went on and and sort of um boundaries that hadn't been crossed um until then and then obviously in the 80s he kind of took the slasher Um, archetype, you know, that was set up with Friday, 13th and Halloween and all these knockoffs and sort of turned it on its head. Now it's, now it's, has a supernatural element to it. And um, it, it also, you know, the reason that I respect Wes Craven so much is that his story in terms of this particular film has such a kind of a DIY punk uh, sort of overtone to it because um when he was trying to pitch this particular movie to studios you know friday the 13th was a huge success so it's la- everyone was cashing in on slashers and um he had this script he was in financial trouble so he needed to sell a script and uh, every studio passed paramount mm-hmm. said no one's interested in stories about dreams <laughs> and so it was eventually picked up by um new line cinema which at the time was very small very independent they um then they raised funds to ha- to make this film happen and it was uh sort of that wow uh i'm glad that i believed in myself and uh i didn't give up because uh we all know you know the rest of the story it became what? one of the most iconic characters in history
0: yeah and look and look how big new line cinema got i mean that that, exactly. that, that, put, that put that on the map but man i love your passion for the horror movie industry and everything just your knowledge of it and that just totally bleeds into your your music. I mean that's that's like your inspiration which is uh which is really cool. Again, do, doing the 13 songs with with a different uh, horror movies uh, it's a it's a different idea. I I have never seen it quite approached like that. It's re- it's really cool.
4: Hey everybody, don't you dare go anywhere. There's lots more Chris to make the podcast after these messages from our sponsors.
0: Pitchfork said absolutely nothing about the Vipers album Spread the Poison
3: it
4: with nothing to eat But punk fan Brock Renata said Blah Yeah The is motherfucker Yeah The is motherfucker
0: Check out the Vipers album, Spread the Poison, streaming everywhere now,
4: including Down Your
0: Leg. Looking to elevate your music career? DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that enables musicians to distribute their music to online stores and streaming platforms such as Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Tidal, and many more. DistroKid collects earnings and payments, sending them to you, the artist. With DistroKid, artists unlock a world of possibilities. From easily paying collaborators with splits, to securing your music with DistroLock, DistroKid covers all bases. Plus, you can promote your releases with hyperfollow and create eye-catching visuals with a Spotify Canvas generator, all for free. But that's not all. Introducing the DistroKid app, now available on iOS and Android. Artists can manage their releases, view streaming stats, and withdraw earnings all from the palm of their hand. And for those looking to perfect their sound, check out Mixia. With its simple interface and customizable mastering options, artists can make their music sound polished and professional within minutes. And don't forget about Instant Share, DistroKid's newest feature. Share large files securely with collaborators, producers, and more, ensuring your music streams at the highest quality. Ready to take your music to the next level? Download the DistroKid app and explore their suite of tools today. Plus, listeners can enjoy 30% off their first year by visiting distrokid.com/vip/demakes. That's distrokid.com/vip/demakes. And now back to the show. Uh, On the second line here, uh, where you say cursed my name, there's a harmony there that's cool. And then there's another harmony on uh, the uh, fifth line down where I went down in flames. On the word down in flames, there's a harmony there. And throughout the whole thing, it's just this, you get really intense, crazy intense screaming vocals. um, And there's just a ton of added layers here vocal wise. How does that process with Drew go? Um, in terms of the vocal layering, is is that your guitarist? I noticed in the video your guitarist is singing some of these parts.
2: Yeah, a lot of the a lot of that is is probably in the demo phase. Um, and I'm just a huge fan of using that that trick of of it sounds funny, but harmonizing screams. Having that high layer and that low layer. And um, I probably abuse it to be honest, because it just it's such, it punctuates certain lines so powerfully. But it's much like what we talked about with harmonizing cleans. You don't want to do it every line because then it loses its luster. But definitely, I think um, Drew is so good at being like, okay, well, then it's going a little overboard here. But oh no, let's do it here. You know, it's, so it's that little checks and balance system of not overdoing it. You mm-hmm. know, and where less is more sometimes. But yeah, definitely to to punctuate. The uh the aggression and, and sinister nature of some of these lines.
0: No, the production's incredible. I I I got some great studio speakers. I cranked it up here. I took it in my car and listened <laughs> to it, and I cranked it in my car and driving down the road, and it's just it's it it sounds huge. Uh, pre-chorus number one: When night comes creeping, my cruel hand will rock you to sleep. And there's kind of like a cool drum you know, breakdown that's happening here to set up the chorus. And uh, when you get to rock you to sleep right there, the band stops completely and then it's your vocal only. I'm the American Nightmare. Now we're in the first chorus at one minute and nine seconds and, and we'll get there but set up this pre chorus when night comes creeping my cruel hand will
2: rock you to sleep it's one of my favorite pre-choruses i've ever written i don't know there's just something about the melody that i that i really love and um i think uh i, I remember in particular um drew um coming up with that tom fill and it just it yeah. sets up the chorus so well and uh you know it, to me I'm, I'm always chasing that and i'm sure you're the same way it's like Finding that perfect way to set up a chorus so it doesn't it doesn't take away steam from the big hook, but it's like, it like it just pushes you right to the edge before you sort of leap off into this this big um, you know anthemic uh, world of horror.
0: When drummers can really play like your drummer, they'll overdo it. Hey, look at me. Yes, you know, and sometimes it's too much. There is so much going on in this song drum wise, but every part is interesting and what I feel is in- integral to the song.
2: Thank you, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. And I think I think this was the album where we uh, sort of uh, really started to figure that out, um, to not overdo it, to realize that overly intricate parts can actually hinder uh, the hook or hinder the vocal melody. And um, I think Drew really helped us uh, figure that out on this album this was one of the first choruses we ever did that was four on the floor right uh, dun, 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 dun. and you know on the surface to me i think before this album I was like oh that sounds so oh it sounds too like cock rocky and then i realized no this sounds like like uh, arena rock in a cool kind of in a cool way. Well, yeah, I mean,
0: because your your other parts, I mean, you have your your intro verse setup, which which is soft, and then you get into the verses that are just taking your head off, and then it comes into this <laughs> drum breakdown for the pre-chorus. You kind of need something just steady and moving, moving the song along at this point. And uh, again, in a minute nine seconds, we're in the first chorus. American, love the american nightmare and then the band comes back in with american dreams of counting the bodies while you count sheep i'm the american nightmare yeah i'm living the dream i'm slashing my way through the golden age of the silver scream sweet dreams and a couple things before we uh before i'll have you set this one up on american dreams there's harmonies on that and of counting the bodies while you count sheep you're alone again on the next line on the american nightmare yeah i'm living the dream there's harmonies there and there's harmonies all the way through. I'm slashing my way through the golden age of the silver screen. Again, on the original demos, did you ever think, yeah, I'm going to have harmonies here, or or was this something that was created in the studio, if you recall?
2: I think, and, and again, I'm going to try to find that because I think it would be so cool to play that just like first garage band piano and me. But I think that I did have the idea to sort of highlight the second lines of each phrase. And so it, it would be, American Nightmare. And then with American Dreams, having that that high layer to sort of just elevate that just a little bit more.
3: The American Nightmare, the American Dream, making my mind...
2: I know that uh, a lot of the harmony magic definitely happened in the studio. It was just a, a ton of fun to put together. And, and I, I think we spent a lot of time like tinkering with like, should this be a third? Should this be a fifth? Should this be, be sort of a pad? And, um, I'm just really excited about how it how it came out.
0: Reason I was highlighting the harmonies here, they really it, it is kind of like a straightforward rock harmonies compared to the harmonies that you're doing in the verses. Those are yeah. wickedly different. So you're getting yes. you're, you're getting these different feels. I love at the end the music stops completely and it's whispered sweet dreams. Sweet dreams. And <laughs> That's the only time in the song that that happens. And what a hook that is, that part. Was there a reason why you never brought that back?
2: Maybe now, in retrospect, we should have. God
0: damn it.
2: <laughs> no,
0: no, I don't, I don't yeah. necessarily need to think it. I was just, it was odd when I kept yeah. going through the song. I'm like, why didn't that Sweet dreams. Ha- Yeah, why
2: yeah. didn't that happen again? Because it's such a damn hook. I don't. I, I don't remember why we didn't do it again. I never even really thought about that, but I, I think it, it might have been those moment, one of those moments. And and this happens to uh, me a lot when we have a full demo, or even when we have full mixes of things. So like let's try pulling out the whole band except the vocal, like that. That kind of stuff. You know, with modern technology, like back in the day, obviously that was um, uh, less. You know, it wasn't as easy to do as it <laughs> sure. is now. But you know, those moments where you strip things down and pull out just one word and put what I call, and, and I've, dri- I've driven every producer I've ever worked with crazy with like, digital silence. It's like, you know, when, when it's not just the band stops, but the world stops. Yeah. And, it, you know, I think the first time I ever realized or was conscious of that was in uh, No Effects, Perfect Government. And whether that's a real digital silence, but, you know, after that solo, right before, even if it's easy, like the whole... Not just the band stops, but it just feels like the earth stops. Yeah. And um, that's probably something that. Um, I, I, I probably called out in, in like a last minute, like hail Mary, let's try pulling out everything here.
0: It totally works. And I, again, I I think it's, I think it's a great hook and, and right when that sweet dreams, uh, whisper happens, there's this horrifying scream and then you're back to the killer (laughs) lead guitar, (laughs) uh, part for, for, for four measures. So at, at that point you're, you're, I guess it's kind of like you're, you're resetting up because that really is kind of the start of the song. Is that what your label or someone was saying you should start with those guitar leads? You were talking about that earlier.
2: I think it was it was label or management. And uh, and you know no one, you know, I don't want to say it in a way where like you have to do, they said you have to do this. You know, they just give suggestions when they're hearing a the final yeah. mix. And someone, um, a few people's opinion was that the um, the 1950s instructional thing wasn't, wasn't as like hooky you know they wanted some sort of a hook so they were actually saying to start with what ended up what starts the breakdown that that homage to the classic one two freddy's coming for you i got they you. wanted us okay. to do our version and i think a lot of it had to do with the fact that we were we were about to go out on warp tour and they wanted something that you know if you were just walking by through the through the uh, merchandise area and you heard that like lullaby thing that people would come run over and do it and i think the compromise that we made with him is like, okay, well, that's how we'll start the Warp Tour set then. But the album, <laughs> the album stays like this.
0: Well, yeah, and the, that lead, lead guitar part is just is so catchy, and this is really the only two times you get it in the song, you know and and again it's so catchy but I've always said if something is catchy enough you'll hit rewind and listen to it again instead of you know because you could have definitely put that guitar hook in there somewhere else It's, it's that good uh the verse setup number two I'm calling okay this isn't verse two it's the verse setup there's a way different feel here than the first time Uh, The drums are rocking all all throughout. There's bass and like these sporadic like keyboard parts that are happening. So again, we're into another part. It doesn't have the feel of the first time when you said rest your head. Here's a lullaby. Mm -hmm. The lyric here is fell in love with hate because evil fits like a glove. It's fate that I'm still here and I won't be forsaken. Uh, And on forsaken, it's just this guttural growl scream that happens on that. Why was this different? Was there ever any talk of, you know, it should be the same as the first time and cuz a lot of times you get to the point where oh, there's too many parts in this song.
2: I think what um what I wanted to do here was give um a little reminder of what you heard on the first verse um but slightly different. So it's the same pattern same as um fast asleep it's all in your head now so it's the same pattern but it's not the fast metal like punk beat over it and i think the idea there was to let's ease up on that first part of the verse so that when we come back in on the second part of the second verse with the fast punk beat yeah it, it blows you away um and i think the idea was to just Give the listener a reminder of the first verse, but let's give it to him in a different, scarier package. And that's why you have that low, like fell in love with hate, like kind of like um <laughs> just a dark, almost like industrial, kind of like Rob Zombie thing. Yeah, there is yeah. some
0: some industrial qualities going on there. That's a that's a it's a good call. Uh in getting into verse two, and this is that super fast punk beat, and it's just this thing just kicks my butt, man, when I hear this. It's I love it. <laughs> Wicked when I was just a man, but sickening now and fed by fear. The beast has been awakened now. They all think it's just pretend. You'll never ever sleep again. All your friends are fucking dead. You can't turn down your own deathbed. And a c- couple things here. They all think it's just pretend on that line. It's only vocals and guitar. And the guitar has like this insane like pitch shifter. Uh,
4: th- <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: and it's just evil as hell sounding and it just stops (laughs) and then you come in and you say you'll never ever sleep again and that's just whispered by you and then all your friends are fucking dead the vocals and guitar uh effect come in and then the last line is screamed alone you can't turn down your own deathbed
3: you you your death,
0: During all four of those lines I just referenced, I'm hearing like there's like dun 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 those guitars that's happening. Are there vocal pads with those dun dun duns? If you remember,
2: I think um, a lot of that stuff was done with synth because ah. we a lot a-, a lot of these things in this verse, including that. Wah, 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 is an homage again to, to charles bernstein's score that did those kind of very odd um scary almost the dissonant um synth lines throughout throughout the first film and um i remember we were um we were in the studio and, and kj who, who um, worked with works with drew he had this really cool like 80s synth thing i was and i was showing i was like we want to homage this bernstein score from the film and he's like well i got the perfect like package to do that, I got all these 80s synths. So I think it just it just came from experimenting and trying to take what that brilliant score did from the original film and like move it into like almost deathcore, death metal kind right. of a was that um, was that vibe.
0: guitar I was saying had a pitch shifter effect? Was that a keyboard or was that what? Actually, a guitar?
2: No, that was a guitar. It was okay. one of the, I think it was like a pitch shifter, probably something like that. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And and then and then lyrically, it's like. I wanted to make sure that there was something that you remembered from the second verse, I'm sorry, from the first verse lyrics. And that's why it has, the beast has been awakened, which is just a direct repeat of the the first verse. And then we kind of go into um, something that we've, we've done for a while, which is putting a mini breakdown in the second verse so that we get out of this, we get out of the fast punk beat, and then we give the listener something very, very heavy, and sort of cut time that they didn't get in the first verse.
0: Yeah, well, and it, and it just sounds evil as hell, man. That last half, that that last half of that second verse is mean.
2: Thank you, man. And and then when you you mentioned the you'll never ever sleep again, that's actually I think it might be multiple whisper, whispers. But what's interesting about that line is I had my girlfriend whisper it, and you know I'm a crazy horror fan, crazy horror nerd, and we live a couple of blocks down from the house from the original Nightmare on Elm Street, so we went over there. <laughs> and we got as close to the house as we could and that's where we recorded that line just so that we could we could have you know that atmosphere of where they filmed it and it sounds it sounds crazy but uh that to me that kind of stuff is so cool
0: that's awesome well we get into pre-chorus number 2 it's the same as the uh, lyrically as the first one and musically when night comes creeping my cruel hand will rock you to sleep band stops completely we're in chorus number 2 these whoa woes whoa, come in like these pop punk woes whoa, whoa, almost they're n- completely clean vocals no 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 dirt to them uh and it works so well in contrast with all the uh other heavy parts and, and all the craziness going on in this yeah. song and the craziness that comes after this so it's just like this kind of like uh breath of fresh air Then chorus two has continued. I'm the American Nightmare. I'm the man of the dreams. Now the cloth is cut, so I'm sinking my claws in the silver scream. So how did that come about?
2: <laughs> well, the whoa is I got to give Drew credit. That was completely his idea, and actually he sings on that part, uh, which which is cool about Drew. I don't I don't know that many producers that would do that kind of stuff, but you can very I can at least hear it because I know Drew's voice. I can very clearly him hear him sing whoa. Uh-huh. and and as soon as he he put that idea for was like dude that's amazing i love that and um it's funny because I, I was looking through the lyrics online because i just you know i haven't sang the song in over a year and it, it it's one of those things and I, i've heard this on the podcast where where you know some someone whoever wrote it down on the internet got the lyric wrong and i was like that's not such a bad lyric the cough cloth is cut it's like that's interesting. I didn't know that was lyric. It's supposed to be where the glove is God, where the um, glove
0: is God, and I didn't pick yeah. that up because I go through this with a fine tooth comb, and I, yeah. I,
2: I can kind of see how someone could could hear that where the glove is God. So when that's why you you kind of you kind of had a little chuckle when I said that. <laughs> yes, yeah, but I had a chuckle earlier today when I was reviewing. I was like, "The cloth is cut. Do it. Do it. Do I have like? Did I get hit in the head recently? I forgot that that's the <laughs> lyric." Um, so that's kind of funny. But I can. But now singing it, where the cloth is cut, where the cloth <laughs> is cut, I could see how someone could be like, "Yeah, yeah, that's what it is." Bro.
0: Well, and you know, I can also see now too, is you know, with this "woe oh" part, there really is no room for that sweet dreams. Uh, whisper that happens in the first chorus because this chorus is different. The the last two choruses are the same arrangement-wise, but the first chorus is different. So it, it really, it really, I you know wouldn't work here. But after chorus two, we get into like these ambient like keyboards. Everything drops out, and there's these children kind of singing slash talking. and they're saying one, two dreams come true. Three, four, see you at the morgue five, six, he'll get his fix. The drums come in right there, seven, eight. And then now shake the twisted hand of fate. And that's just like all the vocals are in there. You know, the, the, the big right. growling vocals. Then you say no. And right there, uh, everything just gets super sludgy and heavy. Uh, now shake the twisted hand of fate. All your friends are fucking dead. And there's that vocal and that crazy guitar part. And then right after that. There's a short 4 second musical interlude uh that culminates with just a guitar by itself panned off to the left. Only happens this one time and then we're into chorus 3. So talk to me about this uh this bridge part with the with the kids singing.
2: That um is a direct homage to, you know, one of the most iconic uh at least sound bites from from the entire Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. And we just basically just changed it to make it our own version of it lyrically. I believe the original is one, two, Freddy's Coming For You. And it was just our reinterpretation of that very eerie, uh, childlike sort of lullaby rhyme scheme and, uh, just kind of made it, made it our own.
0: Yeah. And I, uh, actually was erroneous a moment ago. We, we go into the pre-chorus, uh, actually, which this pre-chorus almost, it's almost like the start of the chorus and not really a pre-chorus because you almost think like after that, you know, four second musical interlude you have there after the kids singing, that you just go, I'm, a, you know, it would stop and you'd say, I, you know, I'm the American Nightmare, but you don't. It goes back to the pre chorus, the third pre chorus in the song, and the drum feel here changes.
3: Creeping,
0: it's not the Tom thing that he is, is typically going on. How did that come about? Was there talk of, of of getting it, making it different?
2: Well, it's funny that you bring that up. It probably means you're a good producer because there definitely was a point in time where I forget who, I forget who it was, whether it was Drew or Steve or someone, just wanted to go right back into the chorus. And I, I was adamant that well, I don't know, man, that pre-chorus is such a great hook. I just want to hear it one more time. And that that's why we ended up doing it again, because I was just, I just wanna hear that pre-course again. And the song wasn't really running too long. So I was like oh, let's just do it again. But we could have easily gone right back in the course. Like you said, I don't I don't think it would have made or broken the song
0: no that's why that's why i said from the top that what a crazy arrangement this is because that guitar lick that is just so catchy that happens twice typically that would happen more your pre-chorus usually happens twice in a song but as you said the melody is so catchy and i feel it's just it's it's a part of the chorus that that it that it has to be there and i I think it was the right call on your part for, for wanting that.
2: Thank you. Yeah. There's something about that, that pre-chorus. I think it's just, it, it it's that word creeping too, that just like, is, it, it just lends itself to be saying, creep. it's like a perfect word for vibrato and something also that, that I didn't really touch on too. Like I'm, I'm a huge fan of musical theater. Like I love Les Miserables. I love Phantom of the Opera and uh, just one of those, one of those lyrics were like, I'm pretending a little bit like I'm trying to be Jean Valjean or something. And Miserable. So it's just one of those, you know, vowel sounds. that sounds good like that. So I'm glad we kept it.
0: That's awesome. Well, uh, right after that, again, the band stops completely and uh, vocals only. I'm the American nightmare with American dreams of counting the bodies while you count sheep. I'm the American nightmare. Yeah, I'm living the dream. I'm slashing my way through the golden age of the silver scream. And then the woes come back. And again, just, how heavy this song is just to have those. Those are kind of like pop punk or rock woes, you know?
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Waving your hands. Yeah. It's the, it's the wave
0: your hands in the air part, but it's, it just, uh, it works. It works really well, really well with the song. I think, um, the last four lyrics are I'm the American nightmare. I'm the man of your dreams. And uh, I have it written wrong here. What's the, what's the next line?
2: Uh, where the glove is God. Where the
0: glove is God. So I'm sinking my claws in the silver scream. And scream there uh, is just by yourself vocally.
2: And that's the name of the album, too. So we had to make that a big moment because it comes from the album, The Silver Scream. So that's why we were like, this has got to be a big moment.
0: And and it is. It's just having that vocal scream by itself. Um, And then there's this like delayed kind of affected scream that actually ends the track. Yeah. And uh, whose idea was that?
2: I think it just was one of those things where it was very natural. It might have been one of those situations where there were cleans in there too. And it was sort of a, a layer. And then, and then, you know, true or one of us was just like, oh, take that layer out. And it just ends it so much more on a, on a powerful note. So I don't remember exactly that, but I remember that there was probably more to it. And then we stripped it back and, you know, sometimes just less is more. And I think that's, that was maybe the right call there.
0: Well, I wouldn't even know where to begin to pick up a guitar and try to write a song like this. My, my brain does not. <laughs> it, it doesn't think like this. You know, I'm, I'm a little maybe more linear, you would call it. But um, this song is just an, an absolute monster. When you heard the track back initially. Like, what were your thoughts? Was it more grandiose than you thought it was in the beginning from the demo? I mean, this thing is, there's just a lot of moving parts. They all work together perfectly and it's heavy, it's soft. You got these melodic vocals. It's just kind of everything rolled into one. Were were you stoked?
2: I remember, you know, one of my favorite things to do to get perspective on on a song, which is, it sounds really funny, but um, the control room and, you know, where the monitors are is right next to this kitchen. And sometimes when you're in the, the the room in the control booth or, you know, and listening to it really close to the monitors, just it, it, you're just being hit so much with a wall of sound. It's like I got to get, I got to step back for a second. Sometimes I find myself listening in the kitchen, listening from the other room to feel like, uh, you know, sometimes I think about like when I was a kid at Warp Tour and how the bands would sound from really far away, you know, it's like, Oh, well, who is that? You know what I mean? And um, sometimes uh, that that's how I get perspective. And I, I think it, it really kicked in for me uh how massive the the chorus sounded when when we decided to do the four on the floor beat and uh I think that was like the turning point for me because when I wrote the melody and the chords for the chorus I you know I had no t- intention of it of making it that like straight beat and uh I remember being really really excited about it I think you know you you'll probably uh, relate to this when you're in the stages of final mixing and you're listening in the car like you're so burnt out on the songs by then, usually. Um, so I remember specifically, like driving near my apartment and listening to it, like again. I was like, oh, "Is this as good as I thought it was? Like, is it hitting me?" And I, and and I, I'm glad to to say that I, um, any doubts I had were definitely extinguished when the track came out and uh, that first day on Warp Tour, just seeing that, that that the hook worked, and um, I'm I'm really stoked about how it came out. And, you know, I can't take credit for all that. We had such a good team, so many different um, layers and checks and balances and talented people that went into making the song, what it is.
0: Awesome, man. Well, Hey, a couple of things before we wrap up, first of all, thanks again for being such a fan of my band uh, and reaching out uh, to be on the show. That re- really mean really means a lot. And uh, at this point, uh, if you'd like to let the listeners know what you got going on, I know you said you are uh, working work on a new record.
2: Yeah, we're working on a new record. Um, I'm keeping the details pretty secretive, but uh, you will be sure that there's. Uh, it's going to be a wild summer. It's going to be a bloody one.
0: So it's going to be based on all the Free Willy franchise movies. Free Willy, uh, Christopher
2: <laughs> Guest <laughs> movies, and uh, we're doing a, an Adam Sandler tribute. Uh, Happy Kilmore. Uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. But
2: yeah, absolutely, man. Like uh, you know, I, I remember when I first started jamming with the guy Jeremy, who I started this band with. And I was looking in his CD booklet. You know, this is you know ninety six or ninety seven, and just seeing the Hello Rock you CD I was like, what? What is this? What is this? And uh, you know, you guys were one of the bands that that really inspired us to to, to write our own music, and uh, we learned so much from you guys. It, it's so awesome to see you know what you guys have done and and made this long career out of it. And it's inspiring because that's what we that's what we want to do.
0: Awesome, man. Well, hey, best of luck to you and the guys, and I hope hope to see you sooner than later.
2: Definitely, man. Thanks so much for having me. It was a really good time.
4: Hey, everybody, don't touch that dial. There's plenty more Krista Makes a Podcast after a few words from our sponsors.
1: Step into the world of power, loyalty,
4: If you're looking for an inexpensive and unique gift for a friend, family member, or even for yourself, check out iloveenamelpins.com. From Hollywood stars like Jeff Goldblum and Meryl Streep, to fictional characters like the Golden Girls or Jack Torrance, to sports stars and musicians and politicians and dogs and cats, there's something for everyone at iloveenamelpins.com. As an added bonus, Use the discount code Demakes at checkout to save 30% off your order at iloveenamelpins.com.
3: As we near the end of the show, here's a band you might not know.
0: Welcome to this week's Band You Might Not Know. If you'd like your band to be considered for Chris Demakes' a Podcast, all you have to do is submit your song via MP3 only and your bio to Know at gmail.com. This week's featured band is the Ritzy Kids from Sydney, Australia. They were formed this year, 2021, and the band is inspired by the melodic and fast paced tunes from the early 2000s. Here's a snippet of their song Breakthrough. The Wrap with Chris and Chris.
4: One of the first things in this episode that struck me was that I could relate to Spencer so much when he was talking about being in the video store as a kid and seeing those horror movies on the shelves. And I remember... N- I I was my parents kind of let me watch whatever but for some reason I wasn't allowed to get the horror movies. I don't know if it was cuz they were violent or just because my parents were like, "Oh, those movies are terrible. Those aren't good movies." <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. But yeah, there was such an allure as a kid to the Nightmare on Elm Street and Friday the 13th and things like that. So then when I finally did get old enough like I'm just going to watch these anyway, I really liked them a lot, you know?
0: Yeah, it's kind of like, you know, buying Albums just from the cover alone. It's the same thing with movies. Oh, I gotta, I gotta watch this. The picture's so iconic, or it's this bloody mess. I have to see what this is all about.
4: (laughs) Right. And so much so that then Spencer based his whole band around it. And I think that's really cool. You know, not that there haven't been horror-themed bands. I mean, The Misfits made a career out of it and a lot of other bands too, but I like that his is kind of specific to these movies that i grew up on you know like nightmare on elm street not a lot of songs i know out there about nightmare on elm street i love that you brought up the fat boys song <laughs> was it <laughs> and was it the fat boys the, yeah it was the fat boys <laughs> oh and dj jazzy jeff and the fresh prince had the nightmare on my street yes song. yes i have a story that i'd like to tell about this guy you all know me as scared as hell he comes to me at night at the This one, not as literal as those ones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Like I said, uh, Dokken did that song
0: Dream Warriors. I believe that was from uh, Nightmare on Elm Street Part 3. Uh, yeah. but, uh, nothing like this. And, and I said it, I said it in the episode, his passion for it, you know, and I'm, I'm looking behind him in his house and there's all these frame pictures and there's a hockey mask of Jason back there. I mean, this guy lives it, you can tell. And he's like, you know, giving us statistics from the movie and from Wes Craven and, uh, it, it, it bleeds through in, in his music. It's great.
4: Yeah. It's fun to have a little, I don't know what you want to call it, uh, pageantry or a little bit of a a theatrical element to your band and to have it based on these horror movies, especially Nightmare on Elm Street. I think that's really cool. Dude, I also thought it was really cool. I, I I know it had to make you feel good. It made me feel good hearing it too, but the influence that Less Than Jake had on a band that isn't ska punk <laughs> you know like <laughs> i would have never guessed in a million years that less than jake had any influence on ice nine kills when you hear their music yeah we
0: were we were spencer's gateway drug into wanting to write his own songs he said you know his his uh guitarist uh, old guitarist i believe jeremy he he said that he saw hello rock units collection and that made them want to write their own songs which is which is really cool and the fact that they started out as ska punk and that's why i asked him early on in the episode i said well, where did you go to get so heavy and to, to take this path and uh, and he explained it and it's it's cool to see their evolution
4: it feels good to me who you know my band was influenced by you guys but we aren't that far out of left field from less than jake yeah we're we're not ska but still like sort of similar bands in in a way but you know ice nine kills definitely a way different type of band another band that i've seen cite less than jake as a major influence uh I've seen in interviews. I would love to get him on the show, but Matt Healy from the 1975. I've definitely seen multiple interviews where he cited Less Than Jake as a band that made him want to start playing music, and that's another band doesn't sound like Less <laughs> Than Jake at all, but was majorly influenced by you guys. So good job on influencing people, man. Yeah, cool. no, it, it it definitely
0: feels good. And it's funny because there's a lot of bands and artists that influence me that. You know, on the outside, you'd say, no, less than Jake. You don't don't sound anything like those bands. But if you really dig deep into some of the melodies and stuff, it's uh, you can really, really hear some some of those influences. It's it's amazing how all of those will, will will creep into your music somehow.
4: I like that he talked about digital silence. And when he was talking about, it, I know exactly what he means. It's kind of like when the air sucks out of the room and you'll hear this a lot in pop music and pop music. It's used because, you know, you can just go right into the grid and just cut everything out. And there is a power in that, in a way, it's almost like that silence is a instrument or a sound in itself.
0: Yeah. It's, it's a restart. It 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 right. gives you a blank slate of nothing, and then the impact when the band or the next note or whatever happens next, it really lifts that and and makes it exciting.
4: Yeah. Once again, just bringing it back around to the horror movies and things. Yeah, that the the fact that he cited those sort of things that happen in the nightmare on Elm, for this song in the Nightmare on Elm Street score, the things that you'll hear in the score, those sort those sort of elements and sounds that you hear in there that. uh You know, that they they cite as a reference in the music. And I thought it was cool that uh, Spencer took his girlfriend to. The place where they filmed to the house where they filmed <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street to have her record those uh those sort of lines in there. I mean, there's something to that, man.
0: Yeah, definitely that that mojo will will leak into the into the recording. Those the, those little little things that you do like that, and uh, again, just his passion. Like I said, he he's the real deal. He he eats, breathes, and sleeps this stuff. It's it's awesome.
4: Yeah, and he seems like a very good dude, and also you know. You got it. <laughs> you know, you know, we're going to be endeared to you if you like the podcast. <laughs> you know, like no, no beating around the bush there. If you like our podcast, it's uh, you're going to win us over real quick. <laughs> nah, it was
0: it was really cool that he reached out, and he's he's obviously a fan. He listens, and and if you're listening right now, Spencer, thank you, thank you very much. I can't I can't say it enough. It was it's the ultimate compliment. You know, we we started this thing, uh, whatever, a year ago, and and never in my wildest dreams would I have ever thought I would we get this kind of attention. It's really neat.
4: Yes, Chris, it is really neat and what else is really neat if you haven't checked it out yet since the recording of this episode ice nine kills has released a music video for the song hip to be scared it is based on american psycho and (laughs) there is a huey lewis in the news type part in the song it's an amazing music video it's an awesome song you guys should check that out yeah, Spencer was telling
0: us about it and he he really didn't hype it up too much. He, I think he underhyped it. When I saw it, I was just like blown away. Uh all I can yeah. say is the, these guys are like the ultimate theatrical metal band. They just have the, have that all going for them. It's, it's it's really cool. Yeah, for sure, man. I love it. And hey Chris, this was our last October Halloween themed episode. I think we saved a really good one uh, for the last one here, and I can't can't wait to do it next year. Maybe maybe we could finally get Alice Cooper uh, or, or or Glenn Danzig to be on here. What do you think?
4: Yeah, man. Hey, I'm not disappointed. We had three little pigs. We had a mummy. We had a death metal band, and we had a song about Nightmare on Elm Street. I mean. I think we did our best for Halloween. I think we did, too. And, uh, you know, what I can't believe
0: is we're two months out from the December holidays. I, it's already here again. If you'd like a custom song written by yours truly, I'd love to write one for you, a loved one, a coworker, worker uh, birthdays, anniversaries, whatever you can think of. Hit me up at christamakes at gmail.com. Perfect for a holiday gift. I'd love to write you one.
4: Absolutely. He'll do a great job. And, you know... This might be the year I get mine, my, my own song. I buy myself a little gift. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. I want to thank this week's
0: guest, Spencer Charnas from Ice Nine Kills. Uh, what an awesome guest. And we'll see you next
4: week. Each week on the One Hit Thunder podcast, we welcome a special guest to come take a deep dive into a one hit wonder artist with us. And together, we decide if that artist brought the one hit thunder or was nothing more than a one hit blunder. You can find One Hit Thunder anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So hit that subscribe button and join in on the fun each week. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Well, hey friends,
2: my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Peck.